is Teresa Willard Hughes, and I want to thank each of you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. Um, as I've said before, and many times before, I am still shocked and stunned at the number of people who have taken the time to listen to us and have been following us. Again, I want to thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your support. And lo and behold, I'm doing the YouTube channels that we've developed, and they'll be out starting the first week in July. Surprise, surprise. So, hey, finally you get a chance to see my real face, maybe. So here, what we're going to talk about today is another example of social injustice. And what we're defining it as this concept of great culture. So, as I said, I'm 72 years old. I've lived a great life in so many different ways. Yeah, it's been hell as a child. But I've managed it. I've learned not only to survive, but to thrive. But the one thing that I've never, but I think about culture, the term culture. I think about dancing. I'm not a great dancer. I have, like, no freaking ass rhythm. I love music, but now that I'm deaf, I can only hear the beats of it. I think about good food, still can eat like hell, love great wine, great tequila. I love the whole concept of culture, how you dress, how you sit in a room, how you walk into a room. Everything about culture, I am a major ass fan. I look at cultures from around the world and I marvel at them. I wonder sometimes how women in Africa in the middle of the desert, an absolute dirt could be able to come up with having absolute stone-white clothing. To me, that's culture. Food is culture. But can you believe it? We now are able to say something horrific as rape culture. How in the hell do those two words ever get into the same sentence? But they are there. I googled it even, and there was rape culture. And how Google defined it? was that a society or an environment in which the prevailing social attitudes have the effect of normalizing and trivializing, trivializing, once again, can't speak the words, <sighs> normalizing and trivializing sexual assault and abuse. Come on now. Come on. And that's really what it comes down to. If you look at us, if you look at the U.S., every 73 seconds someone is being sexually assaulted, 90% of those are women. Uh, I think that we have, we have normalized rape culture in this country. We don't want to talk about it because that's not what good people do. But I haven't been politically correct in years, so we're going to talk about it as what it really does mean. It means that you have doubt, dumbed down, Anything that has to do with being sexually assaulted to the mere sex, the mere act of some guy has decided to rape your body, your mind, and your spirit. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm not supposed to say that part. I'm only supposed to say it's the mere act of sex. There's no concept of what happens to the girl. What it comes down to is when you do rape culture, you have this concept of, Boys will be boys. Remember that great one. Oh, the youthful, his youthful indiscretions. I love that one as well. And then the other one is, you know, if you ask about what's going to happen, it's what about his career? 
We can't talk about it because it could hurt him long term. Whatever he did in the past or what he's doing now, oh, he has a family, oh, he has a job, oh, he, what about his career? Where in the hell do we as women who have been sexually violated, where in the hell do we fit into it? Where does this culture concept have to do with anything about us, about what happens to us? I looked at it in so many different ways, and I realized in my life and probably in many of yours, our lives were pretty much defined in four different categories. There was who we were prior to being raped, victimized by childhood sexual violence. There was that life prior to that. Then there was the hell that we went through during the rape. If it was one time, or if it's childhood sexual violence, that was multiple times. As in my situation, my father raped me from the age of 14 to 17 and a half, three times a week, one time a week, at least for three and a half years. So that's 150 times this bastard violated my body. Where was my life during that time period? I put on a mask and pretended everything was okay when it was falling completely to hell. And then what do you do afterwards with that time period, that first month, the next five years? How do you get your life together? How do you be able to cope with that, living with that fear that you had been under for so long? How do you listen to and dismiss some therapist who said, oh, you're a survivor. Oh, you're a victim or you're a survivor. Most of the things that we learned as children in survival mode comes back and bite us in our ass for health care, behavioral health, and social issues economically later on. And then there's that time period in the great five years after the violence and your life after that. How the hell do you cope? But nobody talks about that in rape culture. What they're only talking about is some asshole weaponizing his dick and, and rapiness. The reality is this. It is painful as hell. And we are not, there's tons of them. Is that when you looked at the uh, Supreme Court nomination of Brett Kavanaugh, that charmer, and when you remember that there was this woman who came forward, Dr. Christine Belsey Ford, and she said he had violated her when they were kids. They were teenagers. She couldn't remember that much of the details. Many of us can't remember the whole detail. All of us could recognize that. And as a result, she found the courage. Let's do it another way. She found the balls to come forward and, test, and testify. Didn't want to, but she did it. Think about the courage that she had to do it. And then as she did her hearing, I think all of us could recognize it. We all can recognize when she talked about that level of fear. We can all talk about dealing with some asshole who was drunk or was pounding on top of us. We can all recognize that. But lo and behold, when Daryl Brett Kavanaugh came back after her testimony, we also recognize that goddamn place, that level of anger. Now, how goddamn dare you, woman, to come up here and try to upset my career, my life, my perfect family. And even the worst part about it, I'm old enough to look at the number of people who were on that hearing, the senators. Many of them were the same old cause that served during Clarence Thomas's Supreme Court hearing. He and Anita Hill, same thing, same conversation, 
youthful indiscretion. Again, it's all about the guy, and it ain't got to a damn thing to do with us. Whenever there's a discussion about it, he said, she said, let's always be clear. It's all about what he said. He has to be right. We, on the other hand, have just been victimized. We have considered collateral damage. Apparently, while we're being raped and sexually violated, the men that are doing it to us are the question I'd like to ask, do these men develop selective deafness or choosing only to hear what they want to, what is convenient for them? To be honest and do this podcast, we must talk about this younger generation. This younger generation is brought up around the digital world and how pornography and young boys as young as 12 have become addicted to watching pornography. There are studies that are showing that some of these young boys can no longer be able to do their schoolwork or get through the day without getting their fix on watching porno. And how is that translating on how their use of how they're harassing young girls and sexually violating young girls? And how young girls are thought are being brought up to think that the best they could do is service some guy, is service some young boy who's been watching too much porno and he's asking and demanding that she performed acts as a very young age. It is surprising that we could live in a school district, say, in the United States, where there's 98,000 different schools between elementary and high school, and yet almost no school district is going to be talking about sexual addiction and pornography in their school and their administration. I've watched it so many times in very wealthy school districts with my sons attended they could talk about headlights. They could talk about a football game. They could send out a notice about everything under the sun. I'm sorry. But when there is an epidemic of oral cl- chlamydia, not a goddamn school district brought it up. I only knew about it because I was on the on board of trustees at Planned Parenthood in the area. But yet this addiction, this whole issue was going around. There's this epidemic of silence. The school districts don't want to talk about it. Perhaps they're not prepared to. My suggestion, get damn prepared for doing it. Because this is happening in our schools and no one really seems to be talking about it. No one's talking about how the fact that it's impacting young girls. No one is talking about how dear old Betsy Du Bois, the former Secretary of Education, really, really went after saying that the young boy who is who may be accused be um, high school or college that somehow he has a right he has more rights than he should have because after all he was being accused we got enough damn helicopter moms running loose around to say not their little son not little Harrison not little Lethem not little Klingelin whatever the hell they're hard to say that their son couldn't do this. But yeah, baby girl, yes, baby girl, helicopter mom, your little boys are doing this. When my son was in, the youngest son was in high school, a young man in his class, so he graduated when he was 18. This young boy was 17, and he was brought up on charges for child pornography. How in the hell my son and I were trying to figure out what this was? Well, I knew what it was. My son couldn't understand it. So I said, think about the fact this guy, kid in your class that you know was trading pictures of somebody having sex as young as eight years old. 
which and I named one of his cousins who was eight years old. But according to parents, according to everybody else, none of this was ever to be brought up. But when it flashed into the newspapers, the only way any of us knew about it, the school knew about it, but none of the parents were told about what's going on. Young girls are made to believe in this country and in Canada and Australia and in the UK that somehow it's okay. Somehow they can't go out and talk to a teacher. Now, we have all these teachers, we have guidance counselors, we have principals, we have everybody under the sun to say, honey, all you have to do is tell us. Just tell us what happened. We know as young kids, even I did it when back in the 60s, telling an adult's not going to do a damn bit of good because most adults don't want to hear this. And especially if you live in a school district or that your kids go to a private school, that the school is banking on and the city is banking on revenues by because the school, quote unquote, is great. The school is able to send kids on to college. But nobody talks about that undercurrent of all of those young girls who can't study, who can't think, who thinks that their bodies are something to be serviced by some asshole boy. Somewhere along the line, I'm just going to be as honest and truthful as I can. Someone needs to tell your young sons, I raised two, that whatever happens in this life, you do, young man, do not violate and harm a young girl. You do not put your hands on her and harm her, and you do not rape her. I also mentor. I never talk about it. But I mentor a number of kids, and I mentor a number of boys. And some of them are always shocked and believe because they, hell, they're in graduate school. They're about to go on to work in the world. They think they got their stuff together. The number one thing I say to whatever happens in your life, do not bring shame upon your family because you've decided that you could rape someone. This is not allowed. It's not a one-time conversation. It is continued conversation. And if we in our society that we think that we're civilized, that if we don't start young boys being addicted to pornography, we are making a huge mistake. And it's being made all over in our so-called civilized countries. It's enough of this. It is time that we talk about this level. It's time that we talk about how our girls think that they have no power, that they think that this is the best that they could do. And what ends up happening, even if there's a so-called trial, the boy is able to continue staying in school. The girl is mocked because, again, on our social media, her name is ruined. Her, her reputation is destroyed. She's the one who eventually has to end up leaving the school and hoping that it doesn't follow her. Think about the damage that's being done to our girls for kindness. And yet we are collectively silenced. It is time that we talk. And I just hope that I'm not preaching it to the wind. I'm going to be part of the YouTube program that we're developing. We're going to start being able to have a develop what I would think would be a community. So there's a group of people that will listen to what we're saying, and then there's a smaller group that you could be able to join as a special part of the community. And we're going to ask people some questions. How has this affected their lives? Were they abused when they were young kids in school? How did not by a predator or by an older person? That may be a part of it. But also what happens to them in the schools? We'd like to be able to take names, not names of the kids, but names of the school districts and say, where the hell were you guys?
We want to be able to talk about and have them have a platform where that you could come in and you can talk. You could share what happened to you with other people. We'd be able to be able to say, okay, this is what so-and-so would. Maybe this will help you. But we need a damn platform. And that's why this YouTube channel that we're developing, I think I finally have the name. It would be Understanding Betrayal. Wow, the original. But it will have it and that in July, and you can begin to be able to have these conversations. So in the meantime, I'll get off my high horse. In the meantime, I'll chat with you soon. God bless you all, and you take care of yourself. And for whatever you do, stay safe and stay healthy. Take care. Bye-bye. It's Teresa.